Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. I'm going to be just like this all the time. How's that? Does that sound good? That's perfect. Track, track, track. Turn him down, okay? Turn him down. This guy. I'm not going to be that. This guy, he's a movie star now. Look. Look at my attitude. Look at this vibe. No, I'm going to, if this is where, if this works for you, I'm going to be about right here. Just bring, bring the mic closer. Closer. Hell yeah, I'm with you. No, it's good oh, though. It's so nice it's in so here nice. compared to outside. Are yeah. you kidding? Go outside for five seconds. And How's that? That better check, check, check. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go outside and tell us what you prefer. Go outside for one second and then you. I'm freezing. Uh, go outside. I did. I was outside. That's how I got here. Oh, that's that's a good point. That is, you got me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're just jumping in. Hey, yeah. That. I. Just saw the film and uh, it's incredible. Well, thanks, man. What do you think? I like it. I'm still out talking about it, and um, you know, you get to spend an afternoon with some of those people. You'll like it too. How intimidating was that for you? Because that's like the all of like most of all the hero hero type yeah. people, and you were just hanging and singing and making music with them. I would yeah. just think it would be. Super intimidating. So yeah, of course, it's a little intimidating if you think about it too much. But mm-hmm. uh, some of the, some of these people I've met before. Yeah. Some I'd not. But you know, as you know, like when people like this, me sitting with you now. If you ask me, it's more personal. I'm more. We're all more inclined to be a part of things as opposed to coming through an agent or a manager. If you contact artists directly, um, there's just kind of a a code, I think. Right. You know, that it means something. Like, you asking me to do this, like, I assume yeah. it means a lot to you. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I'll remember when I got something I need from you, I'll be like, well, when I call him, he'll know that I'm, I'm serious and I need I'm not doing it out of, I mean, if I call you for something, I'm, I would assume you'd think that it, that it was important to me. So this is like a mafia thing. Not really, yeah. Sort of. <laughs> it looks like that. But I think that's how artists feel in general. Because when it yeah. comes to... Look, I mean, let's be honest, most people don't want to do a whole lot that's not their own thing. Right. But we're a community, and we have, I think, some kind of a code, and I think we do well together. We, we like being asked personally to do things. So yeah. a lot of burden, though, to get in touch with some of these people directly. Yeah. Because um, first and foremost, you don't want to bother them. Right. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. I always think, yeah, like, I'm in, worried I'm bothering you by having you here. But we're not really most often. Yeah, it's fun, you know, right? You take a leap and you ask, and I don't think I was going to have the chance to have these people in the film if I didn't do it directly. And So you asked directly. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. there wasn't anybody we asked who said no. It was Scheduling was real tough, because these right. were all people who were very busy. Yeah, well, you seemed totally at ease all the time in the film. Like, there wasn't a nervy vibe or anything like that. But. Well, that's a, you know, we, can all, we all have our variations of protective yeah. shells that... Um, yeah, it's been suggested to me that, that I seem to, so, I mean, I'm not that cool with these people. I'm one, I'm in awe, I'm fascinated and yeah. I want to be quiet and let them talk. Yeah. You know, if you sit down with Brian Wilson, let him talk. Right. I'm not being like all cool. Like I'm fascinated and I don't think people would rather hear him talk than hear me talk about him when he's right in front of me. Yeah. That was funny when you were like, oh yeah, we're doing it in E flat. And he was like, oh, you're doing it in the wrong key. <laughs> 
Well, I liked it because it was so dismissive, and I only had one. He's right, but we all know when we cover songs, you got to find the key that works for you. Yeah. Which I had done. We don't have similar voices. Yeah. But at that point, he knew that I was. I was not going to say to him, um, "No, actually, that key worked better for me. I know what key it's originally in." You just say, "Oh, you're right, Brian. Totally right." Right. But he he adapted to you guys, didn't he, in the film? No. Oh, you had to change. Yeah, the key. we. Uh, oh, okay. You know, have, I don't use capos very much anymore, but I went running for a capo. Right. Yeah. It also struck me as a highly personal film for you. Like, it was just, it just, even though, which is interesting because you're doing all these, you know, other people's songs and stuff like that, but there's something about it that felt, it just felt really personal. Well, it is personal. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm first and foremost, I'm a fan, yeah. you know, and right on. Um, yeah, it's personal. I love those songs. I love those people. Yeah. I wanted them to be comfortable. I wanted, I wanted them to, to like being there. I wanted them to be glad they did it, yeah. you know, and I'm very comfortable being a, 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 an interpretive singer as well. Cause I do a lot of singing of those songs in the film and I'm, I'm a student, mm -hmm. you know, I, that's how I think of, I, if I get asked much advice, like you want to learn how to write songs and play, don't write or worry about your own stuff for a long time. Right, because you'll you'll get good and learn by by playing other people's songs, and all these songs are these are blueprints of of pop music and rock and roll. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot doing those songs, and that anytime I'm singing a song, it's personal. I was curious about that, like uh, how much that's going to affect your next original songs, like how much of an education that must have been. You know, um, I don't know. You know. The most uh, interesting thing I, you know, I remember feeling is was doing uh, just wasn't made for these times. Brian Wilson's song, and yeah, his, that's when I thought, okay, this is a personal film yeah. for Jacob. Like that's exactly the moment when I was like, oh, he's singing about himself right now. And then you also know, the film cut to driving yeah. and that other guy from that other film who were right, who yeah Lockwood yeah yeah, yeah you know from uh, Model Shop right from Model um, Shop. I would never sing someone's lyric in. You know, I don't think you. Ha I don't. Th you don't have to be too dramatic about it and be like, I have to own the character and become. It's not theater, you know. Right. But playing that song, his the way he moves the chords around, like there was just nothing about it would, that that my instincts would have ever thought of. Right. And that's when you. We all love those songs, but when you break it down, and you start playing it, then you're really overwhelmed with. This is not how normal people put songs together. Even though it sounds like a really traditional song and the melody moves along really organically. Yeah. Very complex. Like, in, I've never figured out any of his songs. So, like, what, what, like, can you go deeper into There's just that? so many layers to his songs, and, you know, they're they're not the kind that, I mean, for a lot of reasons, you don't see a lot of people standing up an acoustic guitar doing Brian Wilson songs, because they just, a lot, they involve a lot of harmony. Right. You know, and you have to remember about Brian Wilson is that, you know, as much as he's influenced by the Beatles, which we talk about in the film, he talks about. Yeah. And they were influenced by him. You know, the Beatles were a four-headed monster. Right. They had the four of them, and they, they had George Martin. Yeah. Brian Wilson just had himself. Yeah. Not to discount the Beach Boys themselves, or the Wrecking Crew, or the Engineers. Right. But he was a kid. He yeah. was not like a... When he was making those records, he was not... He did not have a lot of experience. So he was really hearing these things in his head, and uh, instinctively just knowing how to do them, which is fascinating. Yeah. Alone. You know, I mean... Paul McCartney had John Lennon. John Lennon had 
Paul. They had each other. They yeah. had Ringo. They had George. I mean, that's a lot. That is a lot. And George Martin. Yeah. So Brian was all that wrapped up in one. That's true. That's real interesting. And that sandbox scene was crazy. Yeah. yeah. When he was writing Pet Sounds. Yeah. Yeah. And the. Um, Did you mention the name of the movie? Echoes in the Canyon. Echo in the Canyon. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> go see it. And to it. anyone who just, go uh, see it, who just yeah. showed up, what is the movie generally about? Um, yeah. Echo in the Canyon uh, is directed by Andrew Slater, featuring me, where I'm fortunate enough to go around and talk to some of the characters that were in Laurel Canyon, really 1965. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that you might know from Laurel Canyon. They're not discussed, like The Doors. Um, we don't get into that later period where it's psychedelic and the drugs get crazy. We're really talking about 1965 when they were like exchanging ideas. And shortly after that, you know, the band dynamic changes. You know, it's no longer Buffalo Springfield. Just a few years later, it's Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Mm-hmm. And guys are starting to figure out their own shit and what they want to do. Mm. So this is before that. This is when they were exchanging ideas and going from house to house, literally in that one location, and influencing each other. Right. And nobody was, no one thought any of these songs were putting anybody through school. They, never, they didn't think these songs were going to last and be around. So they were really writing them for one of the reasons people write them today, which is they want a great song. And today we write songs for a lot of different reasons. But this seems to me, and what we learn about in the film, is that they, they really were just influencing each other. And they were groundbreaking what, what you and I at our age and this, this day and age, like they were the blueprint. Right. They were starting it. Yeah. But Neil Young in the film, when he was super young, is like, we're coming here to be stars. Yeah. So there was that, too. Yeah, but even stars but burn out. Yeah, no one had any idea how long you'd be a star. And he went to, to be a star, he went to Hollywood. Yeah. And they came to Hollywood. They didn't go to New York. Right. New York was a different type of folk scene. It was very rigid, and it was very, you know, they had the striped shirts and the ties, and they were doing more traditional folk music and bluegrass music that, uh, to do what they were doing in California, they couldn't probably do that here. Right. You know, and they all migrated there. Yeah. I thought the film captured the weird magic vibe of L.A. too. Well, it's funny because it still looks like L.A. The film, you recognize all those spots. Yeah. And you see that car driving around, not me in the car, the other car. Like, it still looks just like that. It's a flat city. Yeah. And we have a lot of those same buildings are there. And we got to go around to some of those studios. Um, but we don't know for how much longer. Like, those great studios that, that you see us in, you know, uh, those are one-story buildings on sunset and hollywood boulevard yeah i mean they're gonna tear those down eventually and put up you know a w hotel you think so they have to i mean i i'd, those, love, to, I'd love to tell you we could stop them but i don't think we can yeah well you helped you helped <laughs> well i did my part you did your you gotta part. do something joseph yeah i'm working okay. on it is got the, an album out in october um mostly footage from now is it a lot of archival as well from that era? there's a, there, there is some archival footage but it's um well it's also inter- it's it, it, there's a, a concert in it too that a few years ago um myself and a, a bunch of people more my age beck yeah beck and cat, cat power, power and fiona apple Nora and jones Nora so jones beautiful. and jade jade um, is amazing yeah man yeah she's and, got such presence and, on the uh, stage unbelievable and you and her are yeah. great Jade's terrific. Your, your band as well, the one I yeah. saw at the Kibitz Rumor. Right. And that, you know. Those are, they're from the movie. I know. Yeah. That's I was like, wait, it's the night. At the and they're Kibitz all LA room. people. It is. It is. And it's like a Can great. You believe that? Have you been there before, Kibitz Room? That was the first time. All right. Well, you've heard about it. And I've those heard guys about have, it. those guys have been playing there for I don't know how many, you twenty something. So. Well, yeah. You know, last time I played there was ni- it was nineteen ninety three. Wow. 
Yeah. We, we, the Wallflowers played there, and then we went and made our record. We really never went back. But a lot of people have treated it like a local bar jam scene since then. And uh, they're great. They're people I've known for a long time, and we put them up on the big screen and made a record. And they look good on the big screen. Don't they? Y'all look good on the big screen. That's what I was right thinking. On. I was like, okay, these guys were in the kibitz room. I was yeah. hanging out. They look good on the big screen. You know? You know? They clean up nice. You gotta, dreams have got to be big. <clears throat> yeah. How did you, so Andy Slater and you dreamed uh-huh. this up, right? Is that yeah, Andy Slater's you, director and, um, you know, he and I just seen this movie, you see in their model shop, we see that car driving around. Right, it's part of the film, yeah. model shop, it's like referenced in yeah. the film, it's referenced in a cool way in that guy looking over yeah. at LA. We Who's were that for, guy? Uh, is it Gary Lockwood, is that his name? Okay. Yeah. You know, at first we were going to make a covers record. Right. About that music. We were going to actually make a anniversary of 1965. Yeah. And as you can see, it's... It expanded. It was a 50 year anniversary, but now we're in 54 years. So okay. it, t- it took, took a while. But it was a record, the idea, and then it turned into a, a film idea. And then we didn't want to make a documentary. We did, certainly didn't want to make a documentary covering Laurel Canyon because that's, that's a Ken Burns movie. That's like a 12 hour situation that right. I don't, I don't want to have a hand in myself. Yeah. Um, but we, we thought about making a movie that was not a documentary, it was going to be more than a, it was going to be a hybrid mm-hmm. you know we didn't want to just have people sitting in rooms of the light and talking reflecting we wanted to do something maybe a little more interesting and neither one of us are filmmakers so it was quite an adventure and we at first didn't want to make it first we asked other directors real you know proper directors mm-hmm. and either, either they wanted outrageous money or they said that's not a good idea for film eventually uh, really yeah that's wild. And then some people even said that's not a good idea. Then they went and made it anyway on their own. Oh, for real? Yeah, that's you Hollywood. Had, you got had ho- some of that? Got Hollywood right away. <laughs> you got Hollywooded? Boom. boom. Yeah. <laughs> the next day. I want to ask who, yeah. but I know you won't tell me. Or will yeah, you? Yeah, I probably shouldn't just probably, right away. You but probably should Before we even turn a camera on, we got Hollywood. That's crazy. Yeah. But that's also appropriate because it's celebrating Hollywood. Yeah. And so you might as well have the dark side might of it as well. creep in the back door. But it also told us, no, we, we got, it's a good idea. If, you're, okay. if you just took that right yeah. out of our hands because you think we're amateurs, like, well, yeah. right on. Let's see you get, now I'm so, I'm let's see to, you get Eric Clapton on the phone. Man. Let's see you get Brian Wilson. That so, scene when it's, when it's uh, Stephen Stills playing and then it goes to the Pro Tools file and it says Eric Clapton. Yeah. And, it's the, and it's just. I don't believe that they never played together. You know what's fascinating Fucking about awesome. some of this is that, you know, Excuse me, I kind please. of assumed all these people had known each other for a long time, and they have. Yeah. I don't think any of them didn't know one another. But so much time has gone by that when we uh, opened the film in Los Angeles at the Arclight, which they, they were so great to us, they, they opened it in the Dome, which is like... <laughs> Unbelievable. Which was where, like, you know... That's where all the big, yeah. huge superhero and they don't think they'd ever had a... Um, in the Dome. No, they never had, um, they never had a documentary in there. That's, so it's like star, where Star Wars opened. Yeah. So we we tried to come up with something to make it special, which was show the film and then also put a show on. Just do four or five songs. Right. In the in the dome. Right under the screen. Yeah. When That's the screen idea. goes dark and then uh, Andy Slater and I did a QA and a and then we set instruments up. Great. And we played that same band from the film and uh, Roger McGuinn came and played and Steven Stills played. Uh-huh. And Ringo Starr came down to the premiere, which was incredible. Unreal. And in the dressing room... Um, you know, Stephen Stills and Roger are saying hello. Uh, I believe they hadn't seen each other since like the ni- 1970s. Are you kidding? So there's a falling falling out. No, no falling out. But people just drift apart. 
That's you know, in our minds, you think all this music from the same time, you guys must be glued to the hip forever. But yeah, like, I or got, at least I got, not that I got, much time. I got good friends I haven't talked to in 20 years. That's it's not, true. It's not like hard to do. Yeah. So that's what we do too. We bring people together. Yeah, that's good. Nice side product. Yeah. Is the and is the album is the recording of it out? Yeah, well? it's streaming right now. I don't think the vinyl. I think maybe in August. Oh, okay. Nice. And then, are you going to tour that? Don't have any plans to. Um, it took a long time. I'm anxious to get back to my day job, to be honest. Right, I get it. I mean, I'm really proud of it, and, and I'm, it's remarkable how people have responded to it. It's fantastic, but, man. I got to tell you, it really is. How well, good. And, you know, I, you know, by the time you start filming and get it released, it's close to four years, which I'm told is not that long for a documentary. It's not because that you, long. Because you, you don't have a script. I mean, an album takes that long to yeah. make. If you right, but we're, we're going to stop doing that. We're going to make them quicker. I want to, too. <laughs> so were you doing it in between other projects, or that's what you were doing? Uh, yeah, a little bit, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, sure, you know, but it's, it, it, it was a lot of travel, and it was a lot of getting around, and um, I wouldn't say I'm the best at juggling different concepts at one time. I'm pretty good at one thing. I don't really know there's such a real thing as multitasking. Everything suffers when you do that, so. You think so? It can, Depending on your who you are, I, I've realized it myself. I'm pretty good, like a one thing at a time. But um, to, you, we would, you know, if people respond to it and there was real interest in it, I would consider taking it out, having playing it. You know, it would be fun to do. It doesn't have to be the people that are in the film. You could take it to each city and have other guests sing. It, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It seems like that band that you have together with Jade, you guys could tour that. I don't know. You know, to open the film, we've gone to, we came here to New York and we, yeah. we did theaters here and we threw some gear up yeah. and we played four songs. And sometimes there's just one microphone, we share it. Other times we get the full back line and do it. And it's a very unique way to have, it's something we had to offer that I think could make people more aware of the show or yeah. the movie by being able to premiere it and say the band's going to be there and we're going to play too. Um, that's not very easily done. And I don't think many people have done it, if anybody's ever done it. And yeah. I guarantee you'll probably see a handful maybe try the same thing afterwards. You guys could get some awards for it, I think. What would you give us? I mean, at least a Grammy and a Besides Oscar. executive producer of the year, which is, would be <laughs> yeah. me. Other than that. Just a Grammy and an Oscar. That's those are, it. Take just it those to Broadway, too. we'll give you a Tony. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Well, we could, like, but, but somebody would play me, I guess. Um, well, that'd be all Aiden's nice. Aiden's going to play you, bro. I'm not. A, you know, there's plenty of people. Plenty of people. Yeah, you could. We're going to see some similarities. Yeah. I can't tell us apart. Yeah. 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 Looking in a mirror. How do I wear shorts? Oh Good. <laughs> I just, Joseph wouldn't know who he's talking to. Yeah, where, which one is Jacob? <laughs> Let's <laughs> conduct the interview. This is over here, Joseph. Over here. I'm over here. Oh, okay. oh, it's like happening. Hat. Damn it. Yeah. I'm the one with the, the hat. hat. Okay. Mm. There you go. <laughs> Man, fuck, dude. What else about that? Oh, you know what else was good was uh, I feel like Chris, they're doing that Chris Farley style of interview. What else about that movie? You know what was awesome when you did yeah when you were in the Beatles. When you, <laughs> Remember that you know time? That was awesome. Yeah. Remember one headlight? That was yeah. awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, what's it? You know, from the Mamas and the Papas. Michelle Phillips. Michelle Phillips when she's listening and, and just the whole riff about how she couldn't really hang with one dude that was and then uh your quip about yeah. i'm glad you said her when she's right. like i'm a busy i was a busy i girl. was surprised she just kept going on about it with it was hysterical being so candid yeah you know but her version of that is you know free 
Yeah. It Today was, we're like, you know, yeah, everybody's judgy. Right. But she was. Yeah. It was. She had a different idea what their um, what the relationship required than John Phillips. Yeah. I and yeah, that was really wonderful. And then the expression on her face when she was listening to y'all's version was yeah. particularly magical too. I've had other people tell me that too. It was and a I'm, moment. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. It's like you a, know. Yeah. Because none of those people are around for her, unfortunately. Mama's and Papa, she's the only one. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So, you know, for a lot of these people, too, I knew this going into I, I would say I was concerned about it. Like, you know, I don't want to be reminded of the past too often. Yeah, the past is tricky. I mean, it's fine, depending on what you think about certain things, but you might touch a nerve in somebody that they don't want to go back to. And this mm. is a long time ago for these people. Right. So. Did anyone decline to interview? No, honestly, interview? no. That sounds like... I'm acting like a hotshot when I say that, but we didn't ask 30 people and just take the 10 that said yes. Right, right. That's it. We, because there's no script when you make a documentary. It just starts to unravel. Mm -hmm. And we began with Eric, playing with really? him in film. That was my first interview. So I don't know who, not sure who your cool. first was. I got thrown right in the deep end with Eric. Mine um, was with Jesse Mallon. It was well, good. Jesse's a character. He he was, a it was start. perfect. And he, you guys he were just, friends. That's yeah, we're friends. And he just took, he just talked. Yeah. And told stories, and it was easy. But, you know, we also got Eric to play. One thing we wanted to do, we brainstormed, um, we wanted him to play that gear that he played back then. Uh -huh. The old Strat and, you know, a Fender Deluxe, or whatever, just one of his old tweet amps, which he does not play anymore. Well, doesn't he, didn't he start with, like, an SG and Cream days? Yeah, with an the SG Wawa. to the 335. I that with we the just kinda, We kind of were thinking about that Strat and... You know, I, that's when I was concerned. Like, I don't, he said he's going to come down and do an interview. I don't want to piss him off now by asking him to revisit something. Maybe, was there, maybe there's a reason he doesn't want to play that instrument anymore. But he just simply said, sure. He's, so you never know. You got to ask. He seems so together and cool. The best part of that interview was that he was wearing Adidas track pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, he, he's, but he looked cool. He, like, I was going to say, like, like, you know. I'm sure you appreciate at some point, like, you start throwing in the towel. I'm like, you know, that's kind of why I feel good. And I'm not really worried about what you think about what Dude, I'm wearing. Dude, I walk around with yoga yeah. clothes almost all the time. But he wore his sweats, and it was like, <laughs> I want to get some sweats now. I'm going to get some. I'm going to get me a tracksuit. We're suit. back to shorts with Ehud. Yeah. I was going to say, that, that I, did a, I did a session with Colin, Colin Hay once downstairs. Who's Colin Hay? Men at Work. Edit yes. that part out. Oh, I yeah. love yeah. Men at Work. And he, Sorry. And he wore a tracksuit. Sorry, shout out he Colin Hay. He wore a tracksuit. Fucking love minute work. But anyway, you know, I'm I'm like a year away from elastic pants. Yeah, dude, I'm. Uh, yeah, I wore jeans just for you. He this dressed is, up for me. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. Was yeah. Eric Clapton's a big ask to just like approach him? Were you? Do you have any history with him, or you're just like? I do. You know, I think they're all a big ask, and um, they're all a big ask in this film. But you know what? No, but I, how did he feel? Like, like when me and Joe try to get a big a big celebrity, a big artist to come do the podcast. And they, it's always a big ask. And when they say yes, there's excitement. So how is it for you asking? You know, most people, I think, do these things not because they're looking for a career advantage. They want to be working and talking to good people, like-minded people. And mm -hmm. one of the assets that I had going into this with these people is that I'm another artist. You know, I'm not a journalist. I don't mm -hmm. have any angle. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to make you uncomfortable. And we have shorthand. Other artists have shorthand. Right. You know, and that's a starting point. And I, Eric was nice enough to have me open for him a number of different times throughout the years. That's so awesome. I have a rapport with him that is, I think, friendly, but it's also professional yeah. as another musician. So, and I, you know, I never embarrass myself in front of these people. Yeah. You know, if they invite you out <laughs> to play with them and you turn out to be some, you know. You're not a douche. Yeah. yeah you, 
Glad you said that, not me. <laughs> That's your lard. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but that is true, you know. I mean, I didn't. Yeah. I, you know, I respect these people tremendously, and every yeah. time I've been able to open, I'm mean, open for Tom Petty a number of times, mm-hmm. and I took that as like I respect his stage and I respect the time he's giving me, and I, I feel that way about all of them. You know, I'm not going to ever be their peers, but I would like them to take me seriously. You don't consider yourself their peers? Eric Clapton's peer. Well. See, this is why we might look a lot alike, but we don't feel a lot alike. <laughs> but I no. know what he means, though. Uh, you are. Listen. Uh, you know, probably. You I appreciate you that. You are, that's very. That's I, kind I, of you. Petty and you I, I, I was going to say the same thing. You know, you're I'm not glad on the I did. Same level, but you're not that far. Yeah, you know, we're in the same. I think we're like in the same. You know, with this neighborhood. Yeah, I think so. And I've learned a lot from these people, and they yeah. were my mentors. Yeah. On record and in person. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, I still feel that way. I had the, most of these people's records. I had them when I was when I was young, and now those people, when I was listening to records, they were much younger than I am now. So that's true, you know. But peers, no, I wouldn't be that adventurous to suggest that. But um, all these people in this film too are all very encouraging people. Yeah, and not all that generation are. I've been I've been around a lot of assholes too. Really, for sure. I feel like great artists usually would be encouraging. Great, confident artists are. Yeah. The ones who are not confident and not that great are really not that awesome. Yeah. That's my experience. Yeah. When somebody shows that, it's a weakness. Yeah, it's, it is. it's insecurity. People can and they give don't, what they give themselves. They yeah. can give to you. They get suspicious that you might find them out. Mm. So they reflect. I've got a number of those, which I'll tell you in private. But Right. You know. Well, I liked what you were starting to say about the past is it is a weird neighborhood to some go people. into some people just want to stay there forever i don't i'm the same i don't want to either I well like, sometimes it's painful it is all, it's painful you know it well it could remind you who you were where you were who you were mm. with it could remind you all kinds of things that maybe Ouch. you've spent a lot of time not wanting to think about yeah it's different for everybody and each it, you know every year might be different so anytime you ask these people these questions you know every time i put a question out i'd be like you know, I don't know, maybe he doesn't or she doesn't want to talk about that, but yeah. not in this case. Right. Because I also think this time was really nice for most people. I think things got really weird afterwards for a lot of them. Yeah. And the deep past maybe is easier to go into. Yeah, because this is the beginning for most of these people. Mm-hmm. And I think we all have a lot of euphoric recall for the beginning of things. That's you know, true. And then somebody or all of us just screw things up and then resentments pile up and then you don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. But when you, when you do think about it, you're like, oh, that was great. Yeah. The beginning of that was really great. Yeah, that's true. And then he became such an asshole. Yeah. I like talking about the very beginning, too. But well, the very beginning's great because it's before anybody knew anything. Yeah. Nobody said in the beginning, I know what to do, because we're all just stumbling together and figuring it out. Right. It's later that it became, you know, I know what we should be doing. Right. Well, when you started, it was like, you guys got really successful really fast, pretty much, right? Was was bringing down the horse like the first? Album? No, we had a record, or, but, yeah. There's one well, we had a record that? before that nobody really heard. Um, Honeybee was on that. Oh God, right? Yes, it was. <laughs> like a night, it was an 11 minute song. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, we were. I found out they had a first album after I got the. Most second people album. did. Yeah. No, I mean, still most people don't know, and it's not their fault. I What's mean, that album called? It was just the Wallflowers, 1992, oh. on Virgin Records, and. Yeah. Um, you know, at the time, it sold 40,000 records, which I thought was incredible. That's and today, that's, well, I think that's a platinum record. Today, today that's double platinum. <laughs> Selling out the garden with that. Yeah, would be in the yeah. garden with that. Yeah. You know, multiple nights. That's for sure. But then it, was, uh, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't 
satisfying a record company. And yeah. I was I was considered very difficult when we started, just because I was really young and didn't know what I want, what I was should be doing. And I had a record company at the time that was frustrated with me because I didn't want to do things like People Magazine lifestyle stuff. Yeah, which they could, you know, a publicity department could get that for someone like me when I was starting out. But I didn't see any business why I should be a part of that. Not only because maybe I don't read the magazine, but but also like that's the wrong avenue for an artist to be going down and they so, didn't get that 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 would be weird no because it's, i don't even take it personally it's their job yeah. they, their success is based on what they can get and what they can do for their company and yeah. when i would say no no i was considered very difficult which uh took me a while to figure out that i had a sticker on my back what was the sticker that he's difficult oh really yeah kick me kick me pretty but much also he's difficult is also means you know he's like a legit artist there's something of that, too. Yeah, you know, but around town at the time, it translated more to just like a pain in the ass, which I didn't ever feel like that. Yeah. And I agree with you that like if Prince is called difficult, like hell yeah, that's why his records are so great. Yeah. I'm sure he was difficult because he couldn't relate to all the tools that were in his music. Right. Because he's Prince and we're not. Was it an ego thing for you back then? Uh, no, not at all. I was a beginner like anybody else. I wasn't exactly sure how to do it. Like everything we did was awesome to me. Right. Getting in a studio was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I never thought I'd get in a real studio. Then we eventually got onto a, you know, got a little tour there support. No we could tools, travel and go do shows. And there was 30 people, 50 people, 100 people. Like Which it was all awesome. mind blowing to me. Yeah. I was satisfied. I was stoked. I wasn't like, this yeah. is just, I had no idea. I did not dream that big. I, I just thought being in a band and running around the country would be like a blast. Yeah. Um, so what happened in those four years? Well, you know, I'll tell you is that the people who, ran, who were running Virgin Records at the time, they were terrific. There was two guys, it was Jeff Arup and Jordan Harris. I liked them a lot. And they, uh -huh. were, they, they were supporters of us. And as you begin to learn to notice that by the time you make a record, go on tour, the people you're working with are usually fired or removed or move on. So yeah. you come home and it's just different people. And they don't want to deal with last guy's band. They want, right. a, they want a clean plate because, you know, their ass is on the line now. And they don't want to deal with some band that yeah, might they be. Drop full albums this is sometimes. yeah, yeah. But this is also the days where bands got two, three, four records. Yeah. Today I get it. You get one record if even, and you're out. But then yeah. I thought we're gonna get, you know, you probably grew up the same way I did, which was the first record is gonna be cool. That's gonna be the icebreaker. It's the second one that's gonna be great. Mm -hmm. That's how we thought. That's how we saw things happening. Yeah. So I thought forty thousand records is pretty great. Yeah. But we came home from tour, and those two, Jeff Aroff and Jordan Harris, were let go. And there was somebody new who I don't remember, and I saw, the, I saw the writing on the wall. I was considered difficult. I didn't know who this person was. I was, it, it was a, I was insightful enough to know that he's not going to want to work with me. So we asked to be let go from our A&R person, who reluctantly said okay. Right. But likely to justify letting a band go after one record and losing a lot of money, sent word that I was very difficult. Mm. Like... So when I started going to clubs, you asked about the four years, it took a while to figure out that people wouldn't come to our shows. Like, we need a new record deal, and, and yeah. our people wouldn't come see us. And it took like a good year, year and a half to figure out that I did have a sticker on me that just said difficult and pain in the ass. Yeah, I made similar fuck-ups when I first started. Because I, I, I made a record at Real World, which ended up going through Virgin. Yeah. And the head of Virgin, Nancy Berry at the time, liked the record. And introduced me to who's the guy that produced Alanis Morissette's records? Uh, um, I know who you're talking about. Um, Should I Google it? Yeah. Fact check it. 
Yeah. Uh, Glenn is no. Glenn Ballard. Glenn Ballard. She introduced me to him at a party, and he said, uh, "Hey, your record's great, but you don't have a movie preview." And they were trying to get me to make a si- make a single with Glenn. And you know, and at that and at the time, I said, "Gee, guys, thanks, but I really believe in my record the way it is." Yeah. And that was like just me hammering coffin yeah. nails. Into well, that my was that. That was the analogy. Yeah. Was you don't have a movie preview? Yeah. They mean, they mean you don't have a single. They meant I didn't have a single. Right. And and um, in the record, actually did really well in France. And mm-hmm. like well, that was my my first experience. I went over there, and it was like people were you know, I played a Fnac and mm-hmm. like. It was packed. And yeah, I but was you like, know, but that was shit, a different. A that wasn't. You didn't screw something up so much. I mean, it's first of all, writing a hit song is unless that's your thing. I want to write hit songs. It's really hard to do. Yeah, and you know, no one really knows how to do that. I don't but think, and you don't want to like spend much time trying. Yeah. But that's how we did things then, and yeah. that was the business then. And the difference really, but there were great hit songs then. Yeah, you writing a hit song. What year is that? That would be like 95, okay, 96. Okay, I mean like you know. great hit songs were on the radio in 95. Yeah. Today you know, when someone says write a hit song, I said, I don't really know what you're talking about. My I don't know point what that would is be. I would have definitely now would go like, okay, let's, let's make a song. If you like, decide, well, knowing now. <laughs> and see, like knowing now what I knew, knowing now. But also knew, you know now that if you want to be in I that arena, that. if you're asking to have a partnership with somebody like that, that's, yeah. in, that's involved. Yeah. If you don't want to participate in that, then you don't, you don't, yeah. you don't play with those people. But I was like, I feel like similar to what you're saying. I just felt like I'm so great. It doesn't really, not that you said that, but like that you, like you're so jazzed about the whole thing. Like even just that I made a record and I wanted to stay true to that vision of that record. And, and you hear all the, and then you heard all the stories about sellout and it was like Nirvana and it was like, you gotta be like, yeah, make sure you don't sell out and all that kind of thing. I was first in line for that. I didn't care about selling out. I didn't know what that meant. Like if like you could, you know, like my band played private shows very early on when bands were, they wouldn't do private shows. Right. Right. I didn't care. You didn't care. Somebody's paying you. I mean, I always cared about who's paying you. Yeah. But a private show never bothered me. And a lot of bands back then wouldn't do those things because they kept selling, saying that words, those, those terms, the term selling out. Like, selling out. You're in the record business. You already sold out. I, that's true. But like then it was even like you would say no to movies and shit. Like if they wanted to use your song, like I, I would do that. Like now nobody would dream of saying People no. today would throw dude, themselves in front of a bus to dude, get their no song in the X-Men. Exactly. No one would say no to that. X-Men, but... Oh, they would. Dude, they because, would. There's, because if you want to be heard, because there's no radio, you want your song song heard you're, you got two choices i mean you can right. be yeah, yeah. you can be in a, a commercial on tv yeah or a car commercial. No it doesn't they no. don't make soundtracks really anymore i mean we do with our movie but like otherwise even those yeah. movies i don't know do they make soundtracks that's what i love about just to go back to your movie again man i just think it's a home run like and 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 i said the whole award thing and maybe you thought i was kind of being no. jokey but i'm like actually serious like it had that vibe yeah. of like you guys, I mean, you are promoting it, and it will do what it does. But yeah. I, I don't know. I just felt like, damn, this is fucking awesome. This well, that's is, great. Well, you know what? It's yeah. also it's something that I think makes people feel good. Yeah, it's, you know, and we're just we're all swimming in such garbage right now. That's <clears throat> it's a nice hour and a half that you can go to. Well, and you yeah. can feel like you can leave and not feel just awful. Yeah, and it's current though, like you said, like oh, because that one guy was trying to ask you in the backstage was like, hey, man. And he was like super floored by like, dude, you're doing something really awesome right now. And you were kind of like, well, we're just doing the song, you know. Yeah. But he he was 
he was seeing what everybody in the movie theater seeing. Like, oh, he's doing something really. You know, I think honestly forward, at that point actually, that you're talking about, forward. I think know? at that point that you're talking about, I wasn't totally aware of how meaningful it would be to people, right? Because I knew these songs so well, and I grew up with these bands, and I was so aware. I it didn't occur to me till later we might be turning some people on to stuff, kids today. Yeah, you who are. actually don't know this stuff. Like yeah. I knew, I knew about the birds. I knew them because Tom Petty was playing like a like uh, you want to say you want to be a rock and roll star when I was a kid. Yeah. So I, I already knew about all about the birds when I was 15, 16, right. 17 years old. Yeah. But there's kids today who don't because that music is now 50 years old. It was 25 yeah. years old when I was learning about it. Yeah. So I didn't know that we'd be turning people on, younger people. And you know, and you're turning them on because just no matter what you're into, everybody loves a good song. Yeah. And that's what these all are. You should do next one for number 2 should be 75 to 77. And who will that be? Like the will you like Clash is the Clash? Oh yeah, yeah. Because that's your jam. Yeah, that is, and like, this isn't this music '65 is not any more my jam than any other. It's kind of amazing to think about it. You could take any of these great artists, and you can just take one year, and you could explore just one year. Forget about mm -hmm. doing the '60s or the '70s or the '80s. Just take a year, and you can make a great documentary about the music scene, and just find one particular nook of it, and you could do something really great. Mm -hmm. You're right. I mean, but a movie about like English music from '75 would be very different from a movie 1977. Would be a totally different movie. So yeah. you've got Buzzcocks. You've got all. You got. It just changes every year. That would be amazing, though. And and all There's of these artists deserve two, their like, own doc. They all deserve their own movie. Yeah. That's true. I want to go back to. They, it's what they, you asked. I want to go back to you asked to be dropped. You never finished that story. Was oh well, we asked to be dropped from Virgin just because we saw the writing on the wall that like these new the new person coming in is just going to bury us. Yeah. So we thought, well, just yourself? let's just get out now. Like, well, you just saw you just saw this is going to you owe us another record, right. but you're not into it. So yeah. why maybe well, maybe maybe just let us go. And did they? But yeah, they did. But you have to justify why you let a band go back then after one record and you swallow back then like hundreds of thousands of dollars right. mm -hmm. so, it so, so the rumor was the rumor did. was yeah we let him we let him go because he's such a pain in the ass and that sort of put a stamp took, on you and then it was hard to go from there it was uh it took a while to figure out why nobody's coming to our shows but that's a different time you wouldn't do that thing today you wouldn't be doing showcases and trying to get rec record labels to come that's not how you do it now but that this is the mid-90s how things work yeah and now all of a sudden, you know, we had, huh? Now you just be independent, maybe, or put, or, your, put something out yourself, or do it yourself. Yeah, there's you have dozens of ways. Yeah, you know, and I actually, I'm not going to complain about the old model. I, it's, I did very well by it. Yeah, you did. You know, and you crushed it, dude. But it was the apex of the pig that became the record business, 1997, Wait, 98. Oh. I mean, it was like as bloated. They had to invent the Diamond Award then. Which was 10 million records. Really? Yeah. Bringing Out the Horse sold like, I don't know, 5 million records. That's wasn't insane, even like a top dude. 20 records of that year. Really? So then how did That's you, crazy. Isn't that something? How did That's that nuts. album come to be then? T-Bone. During those four years. Because like, you came out, when it, when it came out, yeah. you came out completely different band, I Wait, guess. Wait, you came out? Success-wise. <laughs> what is he talking about? You exploded. You came out of the closet? <laughs> What's he talking about? Wait. This is where you're getting us confused again. Is this a gotcha moment? <laughs> <laughs> this is that thing. <laughs> um, so from, from having that, yeah. that um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, How did we get it sorted out? And, and Well, you know, during that time we're talking about, the band kind of fell apart. Some people left and some people needed to leave, were asked to leave. Uh -huh. And um, it was kind of comedy, really, that we were playing showcases showcases in LA and uh 
Nobody would see us. Nobody would take our demo tape. Really, it was not. It was not happening. Crazy. It just was. I mean, but that's not unusual. It's not. We weren't alone. But was the only thing unusual about it is we we already made a major record label uh, record and yeah. So you think we were still a good concept to people, but there we were pariah for some reason, which I wasn't sure of until later finding out that I was just in L.A. or also New York. We didn't come out here to do that. Well, the record business was mostly in L.A. Um, Or because also they figured, oh well, somebody tried and it didn't work. Right. Shines off the apple. Yeah. If you think that me, just me, with my you know, lineage is going to be enough to sell you records, well, apparently not. Right. So it just it was a bust. I get it. Uh, so we were playing our, our weekly gigs a couple of week and not getting much reaction. Uh, and then somebody had flown us out to New York. Um, and Ooh. I'll say so. It was uh, SBK Records. You remember that? Yeah, it sounds familiar. It was like Vanilla Ice. Vanilla and, Ice, I was about yeah. to say. <laughs> and it was uh, somebody who's a great screenwriter now, Brian Koppelman, who writes screen. He does movies now, and uh-huh. he, but he was an A&R person back then. Interesting. And he worked for SBK Records, and he'd flown us out. So they had he, money but no credibility. Well, you know, it was a bite. It was like somebody was interested. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, like, I'm not down. I don't, don't worry about vibe and who looks good. I, don't, I was never a hipster. I don't care. Like, I yeah. just... If the situation's good and the people are good, like that's why I would still today, but even then, in the same way. I mean, you can just tell. I was, I mean, right? I mean, I was never too worried about. I never looked at an AR guy and looked at his shoes. I don't yeah. care. I guess I bring that up though, just because it's like, yeah, you were. I get it. Why, if you were a pariah, that yeah. that there would there would be some label like that of that ilk, and I'm not even trying to put it down, right. even though I feel like I'm sounding like I'm putting. But it actually, down. they were just more highbrow. They were smarter. Yeah, they the were, way I saw it. Yeah, that's was they're seeing right through that. That's true. That that's nonsense to them, it and is, and it is, and it yeah. obviously proved to be. Yeah, and nonsense. Brian Brian Kaufman heard Sixth Avenue Heartache on, on our demo well, that's tape. Like, that's my favorite song. I love yeah, he that heard song. it, and yeah, he said, "I want to meet." Durrits too, right? Well, this is long before that. Yeah, yeah. That's the the record version becomes that, but the demo was just the band in a rehearsal space mm-hmm. trying to get it together to impress somebody to yeah. come to our show and maybe give us a record deal. Right. Uh, and Brian heard he liked that song. Yeah. And we came out, we, uh, we had a meeting and I thought it was really good and it was interesting. And I was ex- just excited at that point that anybody might want to make music with me. Mm-hmm. And we gotten back to LA after that and word went out like that, that SBK flew the Wallflowers out to New York for a meeting. Mm-hmm. And then... And then boom, like the next Thursday. You're not a pariah anymore. The next Thursday, we're playing The Mint, which is a small club out there. I've, no, I've played it before. I mean, I've it, been there. We were, I mean, but the original room? I don't remember. Because it's a bigger room now. It's the same place, but it used to be this long, narrow. We, we used to have to set up like partly in the hallway. It's and, been years ago. Yeah. But the next week, we had our weekly scheduled gig at The Mint, and suddenly Geffen Records is there, Interscope Records is there, Capital, Amazing. everybody you could think of. You couldn't, I could hardly get into the show. That's awesome. And then within a few days, then literally the next day was Interscope Records said, just write the record deal. You can have whatever you want. That's and there's insane. a lot of comedy in that too. That's crazy. You know what I mean? It's, you're like, you're really, you're, you're happy, but you're also kind of chuckling. Like really, I've been here for like the last three years, two years playing the same gig, yeah. had the same songs, same band. Yeah. And suddenly this demo tape that people were chucking in the trash can is now like invaluable. So what does that do to your perspective? just gives you a good one yeah you know what i mean that's not bad news to me that's just no. that's it's comedy but it just gives you perspective that it's not personal yeah it's not per- you yeah it's it's a game it's yeah so so and, and that's fine and we wound up at a great place interscope was great they were 
They were brand new. They, they had were, a lot yeah. of money. They were a young label, and they were excited. Yeah. And they had nothing like us. Yeah. And then T-Bone Burnett, too. Yeah, T-Bone. Uh, T-Bone agreed to make the record. Um, and this is, this is the T-Bone back then. I mean, I love T-Bone. He's a great friend of mine. But it, was, it wasn't the same kind of uh, system that he has now. He mm. was, you know... He was more, if you ask me, kind of the crazy T-Bone, which I, I love. And he was just adventurous. And, did you? Yeah. He oh, made, yeah. You he know what? That's when I first heard of you, actually. Yeah, he made my second record. That, I remember that. In fact, Virgin was going to like completely drop me after the whole Glenn Ballard, no, like didn't sell you any what? in America. What year is your, and then, is it a record or a song? No, a whole record. What year it is was that? Called, it was called Come to Where I'm From, 1997. Yeah. And was I, it after us? I think we made no, ours in five or six. You already had a huge hit. Okay. It was after you guys. And he's, he basically resuscitated my career. Because... Yeah. Some somebody named Eve Beauvais from Atlantic Records sent him. I had a song called "In the Sun," and some other ones. And then he, uh, you know, flipped out over it. And all of a sudden, he wanted to produce my album. And so Virgin was like, "Oh, really? Okay." Yeah. And so that's then the they got interested. Started, yeah, that's again. right. Yeah. Even after after we worked together, I've always been friends with T Bone. He mentioned you for the first time. That's where I first heard your name. Yeah. Um, but he agreed. He wanted to make the record. Um. And all Interscope Records really believed they had was Sixth Avenue Heartache. They just wanted a, something of that. Yeah. And we made the record deal, and we started making the record. And I did not have, I did not have yet One Headlight or Three Marlanas or The Difference. None of those songs were written yet. Right. And really, all anybody cared about was Sixth Avenue Heartache. Right. Uh, but I didn't feel like I was done. I felt like I got so motivated when I realized we're, we're going to the studio in six weeks. Mm -hmm. I need more songs. This is not my record yet. Yeah. And those other songs came in. And honestly, so much interest was put into that one song. I'm not sure how much anybody believed they had a, a record that was really going to get over beyond that song. And they got a lot of traction with Six Avenue Heartache back in the days of videos. Right. And then everybody kind of looked around like, happy, but totally surprised. Now what? Because usually, you, you know, the way you do things is, you know you got this one, so you put that out, which is really going to get you to this one. This is the one you want people to hear. Right. But there was no game plan like that. They really thought they had one song. They didn't think one headlight was Nobody, that? I had begged, please make that a single. Because really? I was just really proud of it. I thought it was yeah. the best song I could write at the time. It's a great song. But it was really, the back, it was not really the, the first choice. Nobody's ramping up to it. They stumbled on, I'm going to say they stumbled. They worked really hard. And they got a hit song out of that Six Avenue Heartache. And then it was, they had to kind of figure out what to do next. Yeah. What was it like working with T-Bone? What, what do you mean by like the crazy T-Bone? Well, story? because he has, you know, he has a team now. Mm -hmm. And we were running around like we'd work in a studio for three weeks and then we'd have to move studios because we didn't reserve enough time. Mm -hmm. And then we'd move studios and then we'd go to the next studio and then we'd have to get a new engineer because we didn't reserve an engineer for enough time. Right. So it just went on like that. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people involved in that record, just really because we were a little, we were all a little unorganized. We didn't know how long it was going to take. My band was kind of falling apart and redesigning itself at the same time. Right. You know, we were beginning the record. Didn't didn't have a drummer. Who played guitar drums? player? Just left. Did you get Jim Keltner on it? No, Matt Chamberlain plays on the oh, record. Oh, Matt Chamberlain. Yeah, and Matt, he was, you know, he was just becoming. You know, if you're aware of drummers, Matt's one of the greatest on the planet. <clears throat> but yeah, at that time, he was, huh? He was in Pearl Jam. Well, he's in that video for Alive. Just he was never really in the band. That's a live recording, though, I believe. He'd already done that. And I'm not sure how we heard of him. We actually I think we knew his girlfriend. I don't think we even knew him as a, 
I think it was, you know, a girl we knew saying my, my boyfriend's a drummer. Really? Yeah. So it was before he became... It was. Um, I, I gotta ask, did everyone leave because, again, you were difficult or... It was uh, no. No. <laughs> I mean, no, he said, like... <laughs> no, no, actually, that's a fair question. Well, because, again, you know, in my impression, you could... You, you know, you should get them on your podcast too. Right. Oh, I'll yeah, tell you something different. <laughs> no, this is a, this is a part yeah. of a moment. Um, <laughs> no, one person left because they saw an opportunity to be in a different band. What band and was that? Again, I, I just even like I see he's just somebody I don't even want to talk about. Okay, so it's been so long. Pre-success of the album because the album wasn't out yet. It's oh like, yeah, only one really of them cool. left during making of the record because the game was good going. The we were the game was going on a very high level with T-Bone and Interscope Records. And we yeah. were, you know, some of us were just better than others. We weren't growing at the same rate, you know? And I wasn't gonna let anybody keep my opportunities back. And you know, part of that I regret because bands are worth fighting for. You know that later that if you yeah. get a band, like it's worth it's fighting, worth fighting for. for. I'm not for. suggesting I was the best band leader ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I had my moments. I wasn't the worst, but there yeah. might have been times I could have fought for people more than I did, but right. I was—I did not want to be dragged down by anybody. Well, you get your feelings hurt, yeah, and if people seem to be wasting time, that's well, if like this is—if the song I wrote is putting us in this position right here, like I'm not going to stop because you can't tune your your guitar or tune your drums. Like I'm going to—I'm not. That's not what it is. Right. But that's not necessarily—I I regret part of that. Yeah. But um, we were—I would say we were, we were kind of falling apart. One person I said left because uh, it was an opportunist. Yeah, and well, I, that reminds me of what Joe Strummer said in that one Clash interview when when he when he talked about the drummer having the heroin problem. Who's yeah, the drummer? Yeah, Top or Yeah, and uh, and how Joe Strummer always regrets letting him go. Because well, because they never the reformed. The because he said yeah. we can never be the Clash without Topper. And you know they would have yeah. if Joe had fortunately if he'd been able to live. I think they would have. Topper Hedden is a great drummer still. He had his yeah. problems for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I think when he's talking about it, he was not able to play dramas but he is now right but joe was wise enough to know which is always one of the many reasons why that group was better than almost any other group because they had a better drummer than anybody yeah when other guys had just like rock and roll punk rock drummers sorry yeah. he's not he's he was so sophisticated top Hedden. even if a drummer is like not sophisticated in that way like i think like guns and roses like steven adler like if you if fit like the you thing like, though once he's yeah. out like it's just not it's not, it's the not appetite for destruction and it's anymore not because, it's still good yeah but it's not but you know top, well the topper was thing. like he was so creative and different there's a perfect there's a perfect amount of like technique and chops yeah that is i think really helpful and good uh -huh. and there's points where there's just too much of it now it's unnecessary you're overplaying the song. Yeah, you're that's too how good I am on drums. No, I'm just well, you kind, yeah, but you kind of want that. You want that perfect area where you can be like totally sloppy with yeah. a lot of finesse. Yeah, you know. And but Topper also like wrote this rock guy. Yeah, Topper. Don't forget, Topper wrote "Rock the Casbah." Oh yeah, that's right. So he wasn't just a drummer. Yeah, so he was doing like that programming shit too. Because I guess Not nobody, shit, everybody's you know. late that day. Yeah, that's he right. He played the piano on that, and it sped you know? up or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I love that jam. I know oh, that's, that's like, is that Combat Rock? That's like, that's considered rock. like not one of their better records. I, I, you know, it's, it's their hit record. Yeah. That's probably but why. But people consider London Calling the great record. And yeah. I, I'm not picking a dog in that race. I love them all. Yeah. Sandinista. Love it. That's amazing. No, they were one of the, they're one of the top seven groups, if you ask me, where if you take somebody out, it's just not it anymore. Top seven group? Five or maybe seven, six. I mean, talking. Who are your top? 
five. Well, I, okay, I'm going to try it right now. Okay. Well, well you we're going to go ahead and get rid of. I know I came with the numbers. I'm going to go ahead and put the Beatles and the Stones and the Who aside. Okay, let's put them okay. aside. Then you got ACDC. Okay. You got the Clash. Okay. You got Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. How many is that? That's Three. six. Three. Oh, well, you put those other ones aside. Oh, but they were part of the. They were the oh. top of the count. <laughs> oh, I see. I'm just saying they're not arguable. I thought they don't count. No, okay. I know. I mean, yeah. I'm saying they're they're shooing. <laughs> oh, okay, they're right? shooing. Yeah, so that's this. Um, and that's. I think that's my six or seven. DC, which era? Huh? Which era? Well, that's a good question. Bon Scott or oh, also the other guys amazing. Well, that's Brian. an interesting question. Um, you know, it's a rarity. I'm going to say both. Yeah. It's true though. Back in black. Are I mean, you that's kidding? The, that, I mean, you know, it's. Are you kidding? Like, unfortunately, like he dies, and you get another guy to come in here, and you're bigger like and as guy? good as ever. Yeah. Like and now you've got hit songs that are yeah, rad. It's yeah. it's true. I mean, it's pretty incredible. What about Nirvana? Nirvana was great. I mean, I I mean, what to put them in that camp? I I mean, for me, they'd probably be in that camp just because I they inspired me to want to write songs. Yeah. A lot. You know. I don't know. Um, well, you can have, we can have different lists. No, I want to, <laughs> I don't put them, I want to have the same No offense list. to those guys. I thought it's we were going to go not, get them tatted yeah, at the end of tatted. the day. You know, I, you know, I, I can tell by just, <laughs> not on my list. I can tell <laughs> just by him saying say. so oh, that he's, yeah. that you're about two years younger than me. Yeah. Probably a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. You're what are you, 45, six? 71. Oh yeah. I'm 47. Okay. I'm 49. Yeah. That's two a, years. And yeah. talking about Echo in the That's Canyon, a, the one year. Yeah. Makes a big difference. It's a big difference. I was already competitive when they put their record out. Right. I, get I made it. my record. I made my record in '91. Yeah. I heard about them, so I already had a competitive spirit. Yeah. See, I was still a bass player. Yeah. I didn't even start singing yet. Don't be the bass player. Yeah. No, I had to quit that. <laughs> but like, what? Uh, can I ask you about like what do you think T Bone brought to you? Because for me, he uh, when he produced me, he gave me so much confidence in in myself. Like. He, I felt like he produced from this place of like enthusiasm and just dreaming and like this real interesting magical place that's kind of hard to explain. That's not, you know, that also had its shadow side too. But like it, uh, um, you know, but I was just wondering for you, like, what do you think he brought to you that You know, I, I worked with him again years later on my I, solo records. On your records. solo record, yeah. yeah. But, and we actually talked about him uh and the, i remember backstage at the roxy one time i don't know if mm. you remember that you probably don't but like we we were we met backstage at the roxy and somehow he came up and you and i was like yeah i'd like to work with him again and you were like yeah me too and then you ended up yeah. working with him again on your well show. you know what he has there's a great amount of mystery with t-bone there's, yeah and there's like this he's a lot of people is an enigma and he looks kind of from civil war now but it's not <laughs> it's not bs no, t-bone's the real deal and he there's is. other people who have concocted strange outfits for themselves and vibes he, that they're just they're just fake if you ask yeah me. but t-bone's the real thing he's t-bone can play the instruments you're playing he can work the board he can sing he can do all the jobs that i'm trying to do his yeah. perspective and it's up to you to figure out what kind of producer or people you want in the room. Yeah. I want someone I relate to. I don't want a music fan necessarily in the room. Not that there's anything against that kind of producer. What do you, what's but, that mean? That's somebody who doesn't play, not right. an engineer, doesn't okay. write. Yeah. He's a music, a tastemaker. I see what you're saying. Maybe that's your thing. They bring something great out of you. I want to relate to the person I'm working with. I want mm. to know when you say, I don't want to hear you talk to me colors. I don't want you to say, can the chorus be, I don't know, more orange right like i don't know what that means i'm not esoteric like that I, just tell yeah. me what you what give me a word i understand yeah and t-bone being another musician and a songwriter the dialogue was really easy for me to understand 
and yeah. he's just it's that intangible thing which I found then in the second record I made with him is he's just right and mm-hmm. he puts magic in the room everything you do if T-Bone Burnett is in the room I promise you it's better it is yeah it, I'm just talking about music yeah. just anything his energy in the room because records has a lot to do with energy too it's not just musicians you know that yeah the, the humidity makes a difference. The second engineer makes a difference. What yeah. you made for lunch makes a difference. So people's personalities affect you, just right. like they do when you come here or you go sitting next to somebody on an airplane. Yeah, That ride might be miserable if that guy's got a bad vibe. That's true. Even though you don't ever talk to him. Yeah. So T-Bone is someone that I found that just puts the right energy in the room God. that I respond to. It may not be for everybody, but yeah. it, for me, I responded to it. Was that the yeah. case with all that's your other albums So too, true. To have that kind of well, that's process. the goal, and you're usually you don't, you get you don't get it there's not that many t-bones no there's not but it's very individual you could talk to someone else who would say you know i didn't you know i didn't like it okay well that's you that's 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 fair that's fine but for me you ask me that's what i like about it yeah and i think he's the real deal not and i I mean that as a human being yeah i'm not talking about a guitar player songwriter i mean i have an opinion on all those things too but i just mean i think he's got integrity as a person yeah and i try to be around that as much as i can yeah that's good yeah. Did he play any instruments on that album? Uh, I think he plays rhythm guitar on Six Avenue Heartache, and I think he may have charged me a day rate. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I still love him. Did he really? I have to fact check that. Yeah. <laughs> Which again That's goes back to he's not only dude. really talented, he's really smart. He is smart. Yeah. I mean, at that moment, he was the session player. I feel like he ends up playing on That's most true. albums he produces. For some reason. You know, my, my recollection was he wasn't oh, like really? asking to or wanting to, but nah. if there was something that needed to be done and someone wasn't there to do it or I couldn't get it, he'd just yeah. say, give it to me, I'll do it. Real, I wouldn't say reluctantly, but he was, some producers are just dying to just whiz it all over your record. Yeah. I, I want to play, I wanna, it's like, okay, hey man, like this. <laughs> but that was never T-Bone's agenda. Listen, let me put a tambourine on this <laughs> yeah. chorus, bro. <laughs> you know, bro, let me do this shaker, uh, I need. Like, I like that, <laughs> I, like what you're, I, I like what you're doing, but I have an idea, can I, yeah. can I play that for a second? It's yeah. like, all right. Oh my God. You know. But there's all kinds, Does it, you know, there's no right or wrong one. So when that album blew up, like what was that like? That's like it was really cool, Joseph. <laughs> that's like my Chris Farley interview <laughs> style. <laughs> but like seriously, uh, like it was awesome. I mean, was that awesome? Did I, did I get it right? <laughs> like, awesome. When it was, was it awesome when that, <laughs> when that happened? Like it seemed awesome yeah. watching it on MTV. Yeah. Like you blowing up seemed awesome. You was know, but it? It, well, of course it was. It really was <laughs> because I think that you remember MTV was like that was the that thing. was a universal radio station. That was it. You like, got on there, everybody heard you. Yeah. You know, and it played a, a big variety of different music. Yeah, and it played great music. And it was you blew up with like really good songs, which is also fun. Yeah, it was boom boom. Well, but I like, how did that affect your life? I guess that's what I'm asking. Like your personal, like in your ego, like what happened to you? Like I just want to know what that's like because it's nothing like that's ever happened to me. My <laughs> ego. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're preparing because Joe is uh, yeah, dropping well, an album. You know what, yeah, I mean, I just want to be prepared. Okay, I want to help you. Yeah, yeah I'm going to tell you how this is going to work. First of all, first of all, I have to, I have to tell you, I have to tell you. First of all, I did tell you some bad news about MTV. Oh, wait, okay. What? <laughs> You're not getting 40 rotations a week anymore. Come on, it's not how it works. <laughs> and wait, what VH1? It's not happening anymore. <laughs> week is TH1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. No, that was all good, but that was a, that was, I'm someone with, I have tremendous gratitude. There was a lot of, a lot of interesting things about it. A lot of it wasn't awesome. 
Yeah. The majority of it was. Nobody wants to hear anybody complain about it. It was mostly just good times, really. Yeah. And why wouldn't it be? Yeah, which it seems like it would be great. This sucks. I'm selling 100,000 records a week. Yeah. Okay, but then how does that come? Was uh, Red Letter Days the follow-up? No, Breach was after Breach that. Was yeah. Like, oh, okay. And how, do, how was that received in your eyes? Um, well, I like that record a lot. Uh, that record came out at the peak of Napster. When Napster had become, it was in the news every day. That was a fall, 99, 2000. And it was, you know, is this going to matter? Napster, is it going to affect record sales or not? Our record was the one that came out right at the peak of that conversation. And we were like, we got hit pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. I mean, I, that's, that's all. I'm not water, mad at Napster Water anymore. under the bridge. It's all garbage under the bridge. Yeah, you worked with Rick Rubin too, right? I did. Did you like that or not really? I didn't have a great experience. But when people ask me that, I say, you know, I don't have a lot of great things to say about it. So you, who's, if you don't want to say anything. No, I'm, I, but I do say that obviously. Also, we can edit anything yeah. out. Like if we go no, that's somewhere okay. that you want us to be, hey, I'm, dude, chop you know, that I'm shit I'm not out. protective of anything. Like, I'm not worried about anything. No. I'm not going to say anything bad. I'm just going to say my personal experience wasn't good. It was not a creative high for me. Right. It was belittling, I think. It wasn't, en- it wasn't enjoyable. But I also say go talk to Fleet and other people who have gone back time and time again who obviously yeah. – have a better relationship in doing that. I didn't have a great time, but I don't speak in colors. I don't need a guru. I don't need a father figure. None of that stuff really applies to me. What <laughs> album was he a producer on? Uh, he's the producer of a record, solo record called Seeing Things. But he obviously is really good. But like I again, but chemistry is really important. Chemistry. And our chemistry wasn't great. Yeah. And did you, do you meet with him prior to embarking and saying, okay, this is my guy, or you just went with him because somebody recommended him? or? Or his reputation. Uh, I don't remember huge, at this like, point. I don't remember how the circumstance came about. Um, but it was a um, it was a long process, and it just didn't. It just you know. I think anybody's making a record, no matter who you are, a producer or the artist, yeah. you want to feel like you're at the height of your powers. Yeah. And I made that record feeling really, really, maybe as low as it ever felt. Right. And I, my thought is, if you were making a record with anybody, yeah. If you're if you want to be called the producer, mm-hmm. I think part of your job is to really fulfill like the idea that you're trying to it's for this person that you're producing they should be at the height of their powers and i didn't feel like that at all so it, so the then you would think the producer should somehow help you get to the height of I your powers i think that's the idea see i think that's what i was trying to get to about t-bone i feel like t-bone yeah. was really good at that like i, I feel like if people want to know what was it like to work with him it'd be like that way you just put that like i felt like yeah. he pushed me i was already yeah Firing on some good cylinders, and then he just went boom, pushed me further. Well, that's into the that. I, that's again. If you ask me, right? I don't want to make a record with with. I never want to make one with producers who, you know, their names are bigger than the acts. There's guys like that, right? You know, there's a certain point where yeah, a producer can cast a record and then just drop a vocalist in. Well, I don't want to be a part of those kind of records. Yeah, um, but I think that if well, first of all, you know, producers is. I mean, that's a. That's like a '60s thing that came along. You didn't have there was they weren't their own artists until later. The right. artists they were A and R people. They came yeah. down and like helped pay the bills and found you songs. Producer right. became like this thing that. Well, George ways, Martin, he was like, right. That's you know, maybe right. the beginning of like they are. Uh, I wouldn't say equal, but they're a part of the team now. Yeah. They're not just somebody who's organizing songs and sessions. Yeah, he was a unique figure too. I mean, yeah, there's a but, one of a kind. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, it's also, I think that it really, you have to ask yourself what you're looking for. 
Right. It's not the same for everybody. That's just, I've done it enough times and worked with enough people to know what I need is, you know, I'm not going in and making any, any record with any desperation that you're going to give me something yeah. that's going to do anything for me. Then other, there, There's nothing you might do that I'm going to be happy with. If, if I'm not happy with what we're doing here, but you're guaranteeing me some kind of success, yeah. that exchange is never going to be worth it for me. That would be worth it for me. You would it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I should produce your record. Hey, dude, I'm into it. <laughs> Let's do it. Who's the, what, who are you... <laughs> Who are you fixing to work with now? Like what? Like on the next batch of songs? And did and did Andy Slater help produce the album? You he just produced made? this record. Yeah, I mean it's great. You got well, you know I gotta tell you, Andy Slater. Oh, so when is it coming out Dude, on Netflix? <laughs> come on, bro. Oh, October, go, but not for a while. But go see it. Yeah, go see it in the theater. Yeah, I'll, I'll go again. Help your brother out. I will. Help your yeah. twin out. I mean, twinsies. Yeah, come on. The least you can just go see your movie. It'll be like seeing True. yourself yeah. on True. screen. Well, you know. It'll be weird. It'll be creepy, but you'll like it. Yeah. So the, the last album was a solo album. No, the last record was Wallflowers 2012. That was a long time ago. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Get your shit together. Right. Yeah, that's we'll make a record. That's what we're talking about. Who's he going to work with now? Yeah. Oh, so the new We're bringing it back to yeah, the now. You know what? There's a new Wallflowers. I'm album. not sure. Oh, okay. You know I'm not sure there's a big difference, to right, be honest. You're still actively touring with the Wallflowers. Yeah. We're at City Winery. You're playing right. here two nights tomorrow and the following night. Right. So do you just, is, is everyone there like on retainer? Or when you say, hey, let's just do a Wallflower thing, you just like No, you know what, to be honest, people. I mean, if, like, if, you're inter- if you're like, well, no, no, people who are, who are following the band, they can, it's not a secret to them. People just seem to come and go in the group. And, that's, yeah. and some lasted a lot longer than others. Uh, but if I could relate to anybody in that sense, it's like Christy Hind the Pretenders. It's my thing, and it could have been maybe called anything. Maybe it could should have been called Jacob Dylan yeah. and the Wallflowers back then. I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm the only one that's really been there on every record. Yeah, you know, and I would, you know, I fought for that for a long time because I love groups. Yeah, but groups are really difficult. It's true. They're a pain in the ass. People are. I am too. You know, it's really hard. Those groups like you two or REM, like they're an anomaly. They're not the norm. Yeah. We, nobody can beat themselves Dude, up because. Broke up, bro. <laughs> Not really. They just stopped. I'm in a band with Peter Buck now called Arthur Buck. Okay, but I, I got to give you okay. the record. I'll, I'll autograph it for you. They did not break up. You guys, they did not. Yeah, they quit. Oh, yeah. I they actually, stopped, yeah. they stopped. I actually begged Mills. Yeah. I actually said, yeah. you should be the one group that just never gets back together. Yeah. You guys are still friends. You guys are still all great. Yeah. Are you, because it's inevitable. Everybody does. That's my only advice to people. One is don't put the band back together. Yeah. And two, don't break the band up. Yeah. If you, because you don't have to break it up. You could just not, you just one day stop working. Right. That's And true. no one has to, we don't have to give a big statement. Yeah. We quit. Who cares? But they just did. They do did give a statement that they quit. Right. So yeah. I think it'd be great. I love, I love the group. Yeah. And like, why don't you just too. be the one that just forever is like, no, we're actually, it's not about animosity. No, we actually like each other. Yeah. We just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. You, you, you can grow up and not everybody has to rock and roll being these bands forever. Rock, bands are for kids. I liked what David Crosby said in that film, in your film. Which was, uh, and and you had a funny expression at the end of that, um, where he said, "Yeah, bands devolve quickly. Or they are they start, they're great. They evolve, and then they devolve, and then it becomes about smoke machines and playing the hits." And you you reacted to that. Yeah, well, because we're all tempted, you know, to just we know instinctively we know I'm not doing my best thing right now, but this is working and it's getting over and I got a job too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people who tend to say that are the people who couldn't keep their bands together. Mm. And I think the people who are in bands that have been around for 20, 30, 40 years, they believe they're great. It yeah. doesn't matter if I think they're great as long as they believe it. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, some people would say, why are you two making records anymore? I don't, that's up to them. And I hear the songs and then there's a great song on every record and I'm in. Yeah. You know, it's not for me, for the fans to decide. Yeah. I assume that if they think it's worthwhile, they'll do it. Yeah. So I'm not sure where Crosby's comment, I mean, he's had a lot of groups that right. didn't make it, didn't, didn't stand the test of time. Yeah. And most don't. Yeah. But the goal is it, it's possible. It's just not that common. Yeah. You know, like the Kinks are going to make a record, I guess I heard. That's true. And I'm stoked. Yeah, me too. I mean, right? Yeah. Because you were, earlier I did, I was talking about Willie Nile. Like you can be great now. We know you can be great <coughs> Up to as we get older. Until you, there was yeah. a time where like he's in his forties. He's done. Yeah. No, but it's like now it's like future's unwritten as Joe Strummer would say. I think you can be great true. in your 70s now. Yeah. We know probably your 80s. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, well, Ben Lee said on the podcast, he's like, I want to make my best record when I'm in my 70s. I was, I would suggest you get on that sooner. I wouldn't wait quite that long. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to wait quite that long either. <laughs> I'm ready to do it like in the well, next few years. Yeah, I'm Will, like Willie's yeah. a perfect example for somebody who's I think you're doing an example of somebody who's like improving. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, that's I think that, that you're your own barometer. Like, I have songs right now, and, like, I, I wouldn't bother. I mean, this is, like, there's hardly a record business anymore. Yeah. The only reason to do this is because you just can't stop. Right. There's nothing guaranteed. Sorry, Joseph, we're not that young. We're not, like, 30-year-old, 20 year old. Don't we, we don't still look, look the way we, we looked look, when we were 20? Give it Come up. On, bro. A little bit. <laughs> killing it. We're killing it. I mean, crushing but it, But it's the only reason I mean, to really do it. I mean, no, for real, though, the record business is really over. Yeah. So if, if you if you can stop, you probably should. Yeah. But if you can't stop, then hell yeah, keep going. I'm in. I yeah. want to watch. The bigger bands these days, <laughs> yeah. just Def Leppard, whatever, even Pearl Jam, like they, they don't need to put out an album. No one needs to. So they could tour. Again. No, but they don't even need to. Those they groups don't need to, to make records. That. I think they're still trying to make great records. Pearl, they still in love, Pearl Jam's yeah. case. I know for a fact they're still trying to make great yeah, records. But they don't need to. Really, nobody does. If you have a song that's on the radio that ever was, you go well, work forever. You really don't need to. Mm-hmm. If it's just about being a commodity. But if you want to do something adventurous and you want to have something to play, yeah, then records are worthwhile. But I mean, I have no advice for young people today. Make so, like starting out, like what? I don't yeah. know. Some band, but there are bands that have hits. I mean, and it could go back to like rock and roll music. You know, I mean, right now it's super pop oriented trap oriented music that goes viral on YouTube but that's the whole that's the get lucky business I don't know what that is yeah I don't know what that is but there are but there's no rock songs what rock song is a popular song no you're right but there's but it could go back to that yeah Queen is the the most popular yeah Queen they're big have you heard have you checked out this band Queen (laughs) yeah that's what's that's what's hot now yeah it's Queen alright okay what would be a good uh, last subject well, well, Tom Petty I got one. Would, okay, what? What's up with your your other super group with Danny? Oh, yeah, Fistful of Mercy. Come on. I know. I'm well, waiting. Okay. Uh, well, the, <laughs> the story is with Fistful of Mercy is every, like, six months, we group text on Instagram. And we're, always, and we're like, let's do it, let's do it, let's That's do it. That's the story? That's not great. Come on. Hey. Go I, make a record. I didn't say it yet. <laughs> but uh, there's definitely, and Ben's on my new album, singing on my new album, Ben Harper. So. Okay. That's a start. I'm your, this is my way of saying I like the record. I hope you guys do another one. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, I want to, too. So hopefully, I mean, Danny now is on tour playing yeah, with like, Jeff Lynn. Yeah, he's playing like arenas and with stuff. Jeff like, with Jeff Lynn's ELO. With Jeff Lynn, yeah. Jeff Lynn's ELO. ELO, yeah. It's not ELO. 
It's Jeff Lindsay. It's not, yeah. What's that mean? I'm not exactly sure, right. but I think I'm like a minute away from taking that oh, same. Jacob Dylan's Wallflowers. Yeah, why not? I don't know. Yeah, or but just I actually be I saw Jacob that show. Dylan, or I saw like, that show, the Yellow Show, like a year in L- a year ago in LA. It was great. Yeah, so good for Danny for being on that tour. Now. It's great. But yeah, no, it's, it looks great for yeah. uh, it looks great. Yeah, so congratulations. Shout out Danny. Shout yep. out Ben. Let's do it. Jacob yep. wants us to. I'm too. like front I mean, row. I'm waiting. Hey, Jacob, on my t shirt sign. What about like, you know, a Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young? Sometimes, you know what? If Danny doesn't want to do it, <laughs> sometimes it's. If Danny won't do yeah. it, maybe I could sub for him for just I mean, a record. <laughs> like, just like, okay. I don't know, we could expand. Yeah. You know, be one of those bands. Sometimes we're a three piece. Yeah. Sometimes we're a four piece. But no, I think you swap Danny and I out. No one will even notice. They'll just, they'll be like, we look alike, we sound alike, we have similar backgrounds. Yeah. That's what you need. It is what we need. Yeah. All I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll pinch done. hit for Danny. Hey, Ben, this guy. No. <laughs> All um, right. Hey, thanks for doing it. Of course. Really appreciate it, Jacob. Right on. Of course. Yeah, and congratulations on the film. It, it really is. I'm glad you got to see it. Dude, me too. It's fantastic. Right on. Yeah, so I'm real happy for you. Right on. Well, and we I made it with good intentions, and we want people to leave theater feeling nice, so yeah. hopefully that's what's happening. And I think you could just go out as Jacob Dylan if you wanted to. Everybody, everybody knows. What can't I do? I you can, can make do, movies now, too. You can do it all, man. Yeah. All right. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Come to Where I'm From. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. <laughs>